0: the destruction, and the heartbreak. The shock of 3,000 lives lost in a single day. But we also remember the great resolve of everyday people, the acts of heroism that brought us together. The men and women who stood in the gap Somehow still fighting, giving every ounce of strength to help others. Decades have passed since that historic day. And in that time, we have learned that despite all the suffering and loss, our God remains faithful. Even when smoke and debris obscure our paths, His unfailing love will carry us through. As we remember those who were lost, let us honor their memory with our lives, giving our own strength to help the hurting, making sacrifices for those around us, and sharing the faith which brings eternal hope and peace. This is our promise and our prayer for 9-11.
1: Good morning, let me welcome you to Crossroads, and I am so glad we moved the tailgating event from outside to inside, if that doesn't bring it home for you anyway. We're glad you're here, and again, today is Tailgate Sunday at Crossroads. Uh, It's still summer at Crossroads, and again, we have people still traveling, watching us from the beach, watching us from... You know, Dollywood, which I don't know why, but anyway, uh, uh, again, uh, wherever you are, uh, Pigeon Forge, wherever, we're glad that you're joining us. Here's what's going to happen after the service. So for those that don't know, there may be somebody visiting today uh, who I haven't actually met, but you're here in the service and you're like, what's he talking about? Well, we were going to do a tailgate event outside. Uh, Again, I decided like last night, let's move it inside. So hamburgers, hot dogs, people brought salty stuff, sweet stuff we have drinks, we have water. It's just a good time to be together and to be around each other. So the 830 crowd, some of those will come back, some of those will not come back. Uh, But again, we're just going to make the best of it. So again, don't run out of here. Don't worry about it. We're we're not on any time frame. uh, And we just want you to hang around uh, and help us eat up what people have made. Because I know some of you are excellent cooks, and some of, you stu- some of your stuff I look forward to. So anyway, uh, I, I can't tell exactly which ones, but, you know, I mean, some of the stuff I look forward to. Is, so again, I'm excited because when I saw you bringing something in, I was like, oh, yeah, right there. Okay, so anyway, I know how that is. Well, for those that have been with us the past few weeks, we started a series of talks uh, around this idea, and and, it, and it's not a new idea at Crossroads because this is one of those ideas uh, that I bounced around here uh, for some time. And I'm going to tell for some time, and I'm going to tell you this is an idea that I'm going to continue to bounce around, and I'm going to put it on the screen so that you can see it. Here's the idea that we've kind of built these talks around. The idea is this: if you're dealing with pain in your life, and you don't learn to transform the pain then you're just going to take it with you. You'll just transfer it. It'll just continue to go with you. Now think about it. Have you ever wondered why you look at your life and you make the same mistakes over and over again? Have you ever wondered why you can't have meaningful relationships in your life? Do you resolve to change things And then you look at your life, and those things never change. Well, the truth is that if you don't learn to transform the pain, you're going to transfer it. So how do we do that? How, how How do we transform the pain? Well, here's what I told you a couple of weeks ago. It starts with confession. It starts by you and I realizing that hurt and guilt are a direct, they're they're really kind of a, a direct response of the sin that we've committed or the sin that's been committed against us. It's just you and I, confession is you and I just admitting that we are hurt and broken and confused and lonely. And regardless of what we say, We simply aren't fine. If you were here last week, we said that confession brings us to a pivotal place. Confession will bring you to a pivotal place where you are confronted with two paths. There's the path of uh, of pleasing God, and there's the path of trusting God. Am I going to work on my sin issues trying to be a better Christian? Or am I going to trust God with my sin issues? Now, I know that after last week, many of you said that, you know what, I want to go down the road of trusting God. You admitted last week that you believe that you were not designed to fight sin on your own but it's Christ in you. So knowing that that was the thought that we left with last week, here's the question that I want to confront this morning. What, it, what does it look like? What does that really look like? So in, in, in thinking about what it looks like, today what I want to talk about is forgiveness. What does it look like to forgive somebody that's hurt you? What does that really look like to forgive somebody that has inflicted pain into your life? And again, as we talk about it, I mean what I want to do is I want to show you what forgiving someone actually looks like. From a practical standpoint, and this is important, and the reason I'll tell you that I think this is important is because I believe that anger and resentment and bitterness and hurt are powerful forces in our world today. And none of you in this room or none of you listening or watching online, nobody gets a free pass when it comes to anger and hurt and bitterness or resentment. Because here's the thing. All throughout this room, even among those who are joining us online. We are people who have been wounded. All of us have been wounded. For some of you, a parent wounded, wounded you. For some of you, it was somebody in business who wounded you because they cheated you while at the same time they were looking you right in the face. A spouse betrayed some of you and they wounded you. And the wound of that betrayal by your spouse, it goes deep into the core of who you are. And this morning, when I even talk about forgiveness, you're saying, no way. Randy. There's no way I'm forgiving him. No way I'm forgiving her. There is no way because what they did, for, what they did to me, I simply cannot forgive them. And let me just say, I I know this is a tough one. And the reason that I know forgiveness is a tough thing to talk about is typically, typically because the way that we have historically approached this whole idea of forgiveness. You see, the way that most of us approach forgiveness is from this whole standpoint of, you know, I have to forgive other people because I want to please God. I just, I just have to find a way to reach deep inside and do this. I need to forgive other people so that God will not be disappointed in me. So what happens is for many of us who are trying to pursue this kind of forgiveness, knowing that we just we have to forgive somebody so that we're not displeasing God. We, we, we don't want to upset God. We have to forgive people. You know, we can look back at our life, and we can remember one of those retreats or a ladies' retreat or a business retreat. I mean, this, this, is, just, I mean, this is not just a—for us, it's a spiritual thing, and it's the most one of the most important things spiritually. But, I mean, people talk about this even in business retreats. But we can look back at our life, and, and when we approach forgiveness the way that I've been kind of talking about it in the last couple of minutes, one of the things that we do is we can, we can look back at life and we can say, you know, oh yeah, I remember when I was a teenager, I remember when I was a young adult, I went on a trip and somebody was talking about forgiveness and how we needed to forgive other people, and, and so they handed out these cards and they handed out pens and they said, here's what we want you to do, write the name of someone <clears throat> who has hurt you on that card. And they kept talking about forgiveness and talking about forgiveness. And then at the end of their talk, in one of those kind of kumbaya moments, they told everybody to bring their card to the campfire. And symbolically, what you did is you had written somebody's name on that card that had hurt you, somebody that you needed to forgive. And symbolically, you dropped that card into the fire. That was your way of saying that you forgave them. But you're not kidding me. You didn't forgive them. You didn't forgive them at all. You see, I think it's impossible to really forgive someone if you don't trust God for the supernatural strength to be able to do it. Now, again, it may surprise some of you when I say this. It's not in you to forgive people. It's simply just not in us unless we understand how the Father, through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, has received us. Because I don't know where you get the resources to do this. Because it's simply isn't in us as human beings now let me tell you this morning before we dive into this here's what I believe I need to do I think we just need to stop and pray so I'm going to ask you right now I know know we don't normally do this like right in the middle of the message but I'm just going to ask you if you will just bow your head and close your eyes And God, we just come to you. Even in the sound of the rain that's hitting the roof. Because we know the next few moments are important. God, you know about people. And God, you know people who so desperately need to experience forgiveness. And God, you know people in this room and people watching and listening online who need to extend forgiveness to other people because they've been weighed down with the burden of anger. So God, teach us, and we will be open to listen and to hear as we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to look at a verse, just one verse that's found in the book of Hebrews. A a, a verse that really kind of sets the context in in, in kind of a weird way. But you're going to kind of pick up on what I'm talking about in just a minute. It's, It's Hebrews 12, verse 15, and here's what it says. Look after each other. So that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Now, we're going to leave that verse up there for just a few minutes until I have to go to the next screen. But with that verse in mind, here's a thought that, sou- that surrounds this whole idea of forgiveness. Forgiveness. Or maybe unforgiveness. And I, and I think it's important for all of us. Look at the verse real quickly because we're getting ready to go to the next screen. Where it talks about bitterness and, 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 and that root of bitterness that can spring up and just destroy everything. I think we need to understand. Look at this thought. Look at this thought. You may be justified to be bitter. You may be justified to be bitter about what somebody did to you. But you need to understand that bitterness still contaminates everything. You may be completely justified. In the bitterness that's a part of your life. And let me just say this morning, you may have every right not to forgive someone that has done something to you. But you need to understand bitterness contaminates everything. Bitterness spreads far and wide and deep bitterness isn't isolated just to the source of bitterness it spreads into our relationships and you need to understand if bitterness is left unchecked it will destroy everything in your life it will destroy everything that's important to you. See, here's the thing you need to know. You don't forgive someone for their sake. You don't forgive somebody for their sake. You forgive others so that you experience freedom. I want to go to this story in the Bible because one day, Jesus was trying to make a point about forgiveness. And so he did what he very commonly did in that culture. When Jesus was going to teach about something that was important, he told a story. And generally, telling a story is the way that Jesus would teach about those really important things. And here's what he said in Matthew chapter 18. Look at Matthew chapter 18. He said, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children... And all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. I mean, just imagine being this servant. Imagine the fear that was in the heart and the eyes of this servant. Imagine this this utter sense of humiliation that this servant must feel. He was going to be thrown into jail, or he was going to be sold into slavery. And not just him. The way that it worked in that culture was that because of the debt that he owed, his whole family would be sold into slavery. And not just for that generation, but for generations to come. Because a slave in that culture was maybe worth about $2,000. So the sale of his whole family into slavery would not pay one-tenth of the debt that he owed to the master. So that meant that he was facing slavery for him and for his wife and for his children and for descendants of his generations to come. But something happens. I mean, Jesus is telling this story, and for reasons that nobody understands, No one. The master says, you're not going to be a slave. Don't worry about it. You're not going to lose your family. You're going to be able just to keep it. You can keep what you owe. Now it's crucial that you understand, that you understand this in order to get the story. In order to understand what Jesus is actually saying about God. Because when the owner, when the master forgave, listen, 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 listen. When the master forgave the debt, the debt didn't just go away, the debt didn't just disappear, it didn't just vanish into thin air. Who absorbed it? Who's going to take the loss? Because the debt still exists, so someone has to take the loss of the debt. Well, it's the owner, it's the master. Because when the master forgives the servant, listen, it cost him hundreds of millions of dollars. Listen, it's so easy for you to hear me talk about this story and say it's just a casual thing. It's not a casual thing. The master is saying, all right, I'll take the loss. I'll absorb the loss. You will be forgiven of the debt because I am willing to take the loss. The debt is forgiven. So with that in mind, here's what I want you to keep in mind when we think about this. Look look at the screen behind me. Forgiveness is actually us uh, just basically agreeing to live with the consequences, consequences of another person's sin. That's what forgiveness is. It's just for you and I to agree to live with the consequences of another person's sin. So so knowing that at this point, what we need to do, what we have to do right now is we just we have to step back from the story that Jesus is telling. We just need to step back for a moment or two and reflect on what Jesus is actually saying. And we step back because, of course, The master in this story that Jesus is telling, the master stands for God. But then there's another character in the story who is the servant. And who is the servant? Who does the servant stand for? It stands for you. It stands for me. The other person is you and me. And what Jesus is saying to his audience and to his audience this morning is that you need to understand, you have been accumulating a moral debt before a just and holy God. And every day you're adding to that debt. And do you want to know something? That's my condition. That's your condition. Every time that you were less than honest, I mean, think about it for a moment. Every time you fudged on your expense account or on your tax return, Every time you were unloving to a five-year-old, every time you lost your temper over something that was just irrelevant, every time that you should not have made that cutting remark, but you went ahead and made that remark, every time that you should have spoken in love, but you didn't, Every time that you refused to be grateful, every time that you gossiped, every, t- every time you committed a selfish act, every racist joke, every sexually impure thought or deed, every judgmental attitude, every time you took a little grudge and you nursed it and you nursed it and you nursed it, you've been adding to that mountain of moral debt. And every human being on this big ball of dirt that we're living on, all of us in this room, all of you on the beach, all of you at Dollywood, we're all in the same boat. We've accumulated a moral debt before a just and holy God. All of us have. I'm a pastor. And listen to me this morning. I have devoted the rest of my life helping people to understand and experience spiritual growth. And it took me maybe 30 seconds to come up with the list of things that I just said to you. You know how I came up with that list so quickly? Because my wife has done every one of those things. (laughs) No, that's not it at all. It's me. But here's what the Bible says. Oh, this is so good, too. The Bible says that God looked down at me and that he looked down at you and that he had compassion on us. And he was moved with compassion. So God sent his son to die a death on a cross. that by all rights I should have died because of my sinfulness. The death that you should have died. The death that we deserve to die. Instead, Jesus died that death on the cross. And the Bible tells us but on the cross Jesus paid that debt. Our debt. On the cross, he absorbed the loss so that you and I can just utterly go free. Because you see, the place that expresses God's forgiveness the place that ultimately expresses God's forgiveness is the cross. I want to go back to the story because this story actually has two different parts. The servant's off the hook. He owes his life, his freedom, his family, his possessions. He owes everything to the grace of his master. Now, because of the grace of his master, this servant doesn't have to pay anything, repay anything. So all of the people who are listening to Jesus tell this story, they're kind of wondering, how's this guy going to respond? What's, what's his life going to look like now that, that all of the, the debt has been forgiven? It's it's like the second chapter of his life. And and what's his life going to look like in the second chapter? Well, here's what it says in verse 28. It says, But when the servant, who had just been forgiven everything, went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me. And I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, I want you to think about this. The guy who had just been forgiven everything has this thought in his mind, I'm not going to make that mistake. I'm not making the same mistake that my master made with me. I'm not going to get stuck with the debt. I'm going to make him pay. He's not going to forgive the debt. So he says in his heart, I will make him pay. I want to show you something that I think we need to understand when it comes to forgiveness. When it comes to forgiveness, you need to understand this. Authentic forgiveness is never cheap. Truly forgiving people is never cheap. Now, listen to me. When you get hurt and the hurt is deep and the hurt is unfair... It's just natural as a human being to want to see the person that hurt you get hurt back. Because you want them to know the pain that they inflicted on you. So you want that person to pay. And I know what that feels like. And you do too. especially those of you who have been hurt in unjust, unfair, deeply unfair ways. We just want the other person to pay for what they've done. And and, and don't think you're bad because that's what you want, because that's just human nature. Because when you think about it, somebody has run up a debt on you. Someone has run up a moral debt on you, and you know the the amount of the debt right up to the very penny. And what you're saying is, yeah, I understand this thing about forgiveness, but if I forgive him, I know what it means. If I forgive her for what she did to me, it means that I'm going to have to absorb the debt. I have to swallow the debt. I'll have to pay the cost. And then I don't get the, I, or then I deal with the cost of not making them hurt back. Not being able to get even with them. I have to let it go. So I want you to really pay attention. Understanding how God has received you is the only place you'll get the resources to receive others that have sinned against you. The only way that you'll be able to, get to forgive others when they have wronged you is understanding that when you sin against God, When you sinned against him and you ran away as far as you could. When you returned, he received you. And listen to me. When that drops from your head to your heart. And you understand it then you can't do anything else but forgive the people that have wronged you. And it's not going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to be a walk in the park. But I'm saying this, when you understand how you have wronged God and that you have been a messed up person that has only sinned against him your entire life, and yet he's received you through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. Then listen to me, people. You are compelled to forgive other people regardless of what they have done to you. My understanding of God's forgiving me despite me, it enables me to forgive others, despite others. Listen to me this morning. It doesn't mean that you're going to condone what they did wrong. Forgiveness is not the same thing as condoning. Forgiving is not condoning. It doesn't mean that you excuse what somebody did. Forgiveness is not the same thing as excusing someone. It doesn't mean that you decide that you will tolerate injustice. Listen to me this morning. Injustice always needs to be fought. Forgiving doesn't mean that you can reconcile with other people. Because again, I want you to understand this. Sometimes you cannot reconcile. If somebody has done something to you, and that other person is not willing to acknowledge their part, if they're not willing to confess and repent when they have wronged you, then there's no way that you can reconcile. I want you to hear what I'm about to say, because this is something that I have felt personally lately. You can't build a relationship safely unless it's built on truth. Without truth, there's no trust. And without trust, you have no relationship. So forgiveness does not mean that you condone or forget or excuse or tolerate or overlook. Here's what I think forgiveness means. Look behind me. I want you to see this. Forgiveness means you choose the way of love over hate. That you let go of your right to get back at someone because of what they did to you. You can always forgive. Because what it means to forgive someone It means that you're letting go of your right to get back at them for what they did. You let go of your desire to see the other person hurt. You just let it go. And let me tell you, it takes time. I honestly believe that this takes time because I believe this is a process. Because see, in forgiveness, there is this vertical transaction and there's this horizontal transaction. This is where we're learning to trust God. And it starts with this vertical transaction. I mean, look at look at the screen behind me. In an act of trust. we just hand over the responsibility of what to do next to God. We just give it to God. It's an act of trust. We hand over the responsibility of what happens next and we just give it to God. You're giving it to God and you're acknowledging of what was done to you that was wrong, but we place in his hand both the act And the consequences. We give both the act and the consequences to God. And we put it in His hands. Because here's the thing: when somebody does something wrong to you, when somebody hurts you, listen to me this morning, there are always consequences. You're going to live with the consequences of the hurt, whether you want to or not. Your only choice is whether you will do so in the bitterness of unforgiveness or in the freedom of forgiveness. What did Jesus say? He said, Father, forgive them. That's what he said from the cross. Now, here, here, I want you to, you probably never thought about this. When Jesus was on the cross and they were crucifying him, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That was a vertical transaction. Let me ask you this morning why would Jesus even say that? He's asking God, To forgive the people who are crucifying him. But why would he pray that? Why would he say that? I'll tell you why. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for his own sake. Because he didn't want to be contaminated by the sin that had had been committed against him. Now the big question is where does Jesus stand in relation to the sin that's been committed against us? The wrong that's been committed against us by other people. I'll tell you where he stands. He stands with us. He stands in us because his word to us is that he hopes that we will forgive the other people, that we will forgive that offense in the same way he forgave us, that we will trust him and him alone to heal us. to restore us to set us free from the hurt that we've experienced and that's the very hurt that some of you brought in with you this morning it's the very hurt that some of you have been carrying around with you on a day-to-day basis so can i just say something this morning If you're carrying that hurt with you for God's sake, put it down today. Put it down. Because let me tell you, if you don't put that hurt down, it will ruin you. See, here's what I truly believe. Look look behind me. It costs a lot to forgive other people. But if you don't forgive other people, it will cost you your heart. Don't forgive someone, and you will become chained to your anger and your resentment. Don't forgive someone, and bit by bit, all of your joy is going to be choked out of you. Don't forgive other people. And little by little, you won't be able to trust anybody ever again. Don't forgive. And bitterness will crowd the compassion out of your heart. Slowly, utterly, and forever. Put it down. Put it down. Would you just bow your heads this morning and close your eyes? You know, I believe the Bible teaches that the only power to forgive lies in the experience of being forgiven. The only thing that gives us fallen, messed up human beings the power to extend grace to anyone else is the experience of being forgiven by a holy God. So this morning I want to offer you something. This morning I offer you the cross. No steps, no principles, just the cross. For the cross is the place where we see the ultimate expression of the heart of God. The cross is God's ultimate weapon against the anger and hostility. It's the cross. It's God's weapon against anger Hostility, hurt, hate, and sin that would destroy the human race. So now you get to choose. Is it vengeance or mercy? Is it prison or freedom? Is it hatred or grace? Is it life or death? My prayer this morning is this. That the hurt and unforgiveness that you walked in here with this morning, that you will just put it down. God, we take this time to look at a difficult subject. An important subject. So important that Jesus... Taught about it to help us understand that the power that we need to forgive other people lies in the power of being forgiven by you, God. Jesus paid the debt that we should all, by all rights, be paying, He died the death that we deserve. So we draw from that. And because of the forgiveness that was extended to us, we extend that to others. Because we know as humanity, it's just not in our power to do it. The resource that's available to us is the cross, signed, sealed, and delivered to us. You looked down on us and had compassion why wouldn't we look on our fellow man in the same way? And we can do that because of the cross. So, God, my prayer this morning is that we who are here, listening, watching online, will grasp this idea that's found in this story that Jesus told and that we understand that we know that the cross is the ultimate weapon to defeat anger and resentment and sin. Let us run to the cross as we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.